Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another delightful discussion on all things well-being. I'm Dr. Kimberly Quinn, and I have the pleasure of being here with Dr. Laurel Bongiorno of Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont. Welcome, Laurel. And is it okay if I address you as Laurel, or would you prefer Dr. Bongiorno? Laurel is just fine. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, Laurel, why don't you, if you want to start us off with um, I know you've been here at Champlain for quite a while. Why don't you tell us what you do here? And I also know you've been very involved in uh, Champlain's well-being initiatives. Thanks, Kim. I have been at Champlain for 23 years now. And originally, I was hired as a faculty member in the education program. I, my specialty is early childhood education with a focus on play and I think that's why you invited me here today is to talk about play. And I also uh, launched and um, program directed the Masters in Early Childhood Education here at Champlain. And for the past eight years, I've been Dean for the Division of Education and Human Studies. So one of the things that is very important to me with my grounding in play is how play is connected to well-being. And here at Champlain, we've really, over the past several years, had a focus in a proactive way on thinking about well-being. And right now, we're actually running a resilience conference, as, as you know and have presented um, as part of that. And the focus is resilience, well-being, and trauma-informed practices. Excellent, Laurel. And that is why I asked you here, uh, because today's focus is on the topic of play and well-being. So perhaps you can fill me in on how you were drawn to this field of play. Sure. So um, when I was in high school, I actually had a mentor who was the director of the town's Head Start program. And um, as I watched her work, I loved that sometimes she was sitting at a desk doing budgets and then she'd get up and say, I'm gonna go play with the blocks for a while. And I loved the balance in her life. And she mentored me into uh, getting my bachelor's degree in business and economics so that someday I could teach college and focus on education. How she knew that long ago what I was gonna do for a living ultimately is beyond me, but she was a wonderful mentor. Through that uh, glimpse into even how this adult felt about entering play in the middle of the day, I got very interested in how children learn through play and what adults think about children's play and what's happening there and um, People listening may think about have they ever thought their children's play was a waste of time instead of an opportunity to construct an understanding of the world around them, to practice new skills. And at the end of the day, and with the focus on this play and well being, and a time to just be a child and experience joy. Over the years, I've started applying this to older. So, higher education. I need to make time for our college students to play. We're hosting an ice cream social ne next week for all of the students in our division. That's a time to get together and play. We have um, invited students to 
uh, other fun opportunities. We have so many clubs and um, events on campus, and that's all about giving the students a break from the stress of the classroom, the stress of homework, and giving them an opportunity to play. And then moving to being a dean of faculty and staff, the grown-ups need to play also. So I hope the listeners are thinking about what do you do for play? And I think adults get stuck there sometimes, but thinking about play and well-being. How many of you garden? How many of you go out on a boat? How many of you love to cook? My husband and I like to motorcycle. That is our play. And um, it's important to think about how are how is your well-being connected to how you are spending your leisure time and your play. Excellent, Laurel. So I'm so glad you kind of landed at leisure there. And that was going to be my, my sort of my next cue word for you. You know, doing something as grown-ups, right, that's just for the fun of it. And also role modeling that for children, if there's children in the family or grandchildren. And also now we're talking about college students too. So as we are just coming out of a pandemic, sort of, kind of, maybe, right? Because now there's that we don't know factor. Um, and there's still lots of uncertainty going on. How do you think this may have or still is affecting play in the workplace or as college students or in, with little children? Tell us. So Kim, I'm gonna start with the children and I'm gonna talk about some images of the pandemic. I saw playgrounds with fences around them and tape across them. Children looking across the fence at their friend's house that they weren't allowed to play with and the children looking so sad. Schools that had children in masks, social distancing, and were not able to have recess because they couldn't keep those uh, protocols in place when the children were at recess. Think about the college students. Many college students did come and live in their residence halls last year and didn't leave them. They didn't, they were in singles. They weren't with two roommates or three roommates. They weren't, even though some classes were being offered on campus, Kim is nodding her head at me. She knows this. Students still chose to attend from their dorm room instead of coming across campus. Um, so they were not taking part. There were, there were campus activities offered and it was very hard to get the students there. And then think about the adults. We didn't socialize with friends. We didn't go out to restaurants. We had to rethink how we were playing. And then we had guilt about playing when people were suffering. So here we are in what you describe as the, you know, coming out sort of maybe of the pandemic. So with young children, what is open? Are there state parks you can take them to? Are there hikes you can take them on? Can they have some friends over? Um, where can we loosen up and give them the space for child-initiated free play? 
the college students, how do we engage them and offer opportunities that will uh, be fun and will give them the college experience that you know the first and second years really didn't get a chance to do last year. So um, we're finding students are showing up in droves to activities. It's very exciting. And then adults, how do we re-enter? You know, um, I think about my husband and I love to go to baseball games and we haven't done that yet. And a lot of people have, but we have not felt comfortable with that yet. But we have had friends over on our porch. We have met at outdoor restaurants. Uh, I have gardened for the first time in 20 years and made sauce and pesto in the last few weeks. I haven't done that in a long time. And a part of play is um, the, your brainwaves change when you are playing. So there's this thing called flow and you can actually, you know you're playing when you lose time. I think it took three hours to collect the tomatoes, wash them, peel them until the place where we sat down for dinner. And it didn't feel like that. It felt like a 15 minute experience. It was just joyful and fun and leisure. So when you're thinking about what is play, think about, are you going into a zone that is just pleasurable and, um, and different than how you're feeling at other times? Oh, I love that. Excellent. And I must say, when you're first talking about the little ones, because uh, we've been out of that phase for a while now, and I got a little bit of a chill up my neck, Laurel, because I, was, I just felt like, you know, I got a visual, the fences and the all that closed and little three and four and five year olds just, you know, not able to do what's natural with friends, you know, other, if they don't have siblings too, that must be even worse. I'm thinking, um, it's a little bit of a chill with that visual. And then also when you spoke about the guilt about playing and I'm wondering, you know, if, if also some grownups are having difficulty making the transition back to, as you put it, loosening up, and then, of course, flow is a cognitive. You know, I love talking about flow. We just did that actually uh, the last class where you were talking about, you know, when you're in the zone, as you say, you lose track of time, lose track of, of kind of not who you are, per se, but you lose track of that that separateness. You know, you're kind of at one with what you're doing with who you're doing it with. And I'm wondering um, if you think that the, that the pandemic has potentially throwing a little wrench in in that ability to kind of, you know, for grownups and also how, you know, children, as you're well aware, more aware than I am even, that the role modeling is like the biggest thing. So I'm wondering if you think it's harder, hard a little bit for, for grownups to get back into after being on guard and what that might be doing as far as role modeling for little children. I absolutely think um, we're in a very challenging place. We're in a place of re-entry, right? And we need to be really intentional about that. And we need to be intentional about it for ourselves and model it, right? If we're having friends over and being comfortable about that, setting it up for success for all of us, um, an indoor restaurant with a lot of people would not be fun for me right now. And I would not put in the category of play, but having people out on my porch, having 
apple crisp and ice cream and coffee feels like play. Um, I think with college students, we have to be very intentional. How do we how do we make re-entry um, welcoming? How do we make it easy? How do we make it not overwhelming? Again, I can imagine having something outside on a patio with a group of students would feel very different than having all the students in the gymnasium, right? So how do we slowly re-enter, get our bearings, get comfortable um, in this space, and then being very intentional with children? So, you know, are you comfortable with two children in your house? Are you, in co- are you comfortable with eight children if they're playing outside? Do you put a sprinkle out, out there and put the kids in bathing suits and let them play? Like, there is nothing more joyful and open-ended than uh, time at the beach or a sprinkler in the backyard. Okay, I absolutely loved that you brought up flow, Laurel, because Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi is certainly one of my all-time favorites, and I, I used his theory for some research I did, actually. And um, wonderfully and eloquently put when paired up with the idea of play, just fantastic. So uh, maybe uh, perhaps you can give us some sort of uh, task items, as you say, or action items to to help us steer us in the right direction with how we might, because I feel like it might be a little bit of a heavy lift for some people. Maybe it was natural, now it's harder, to help us in the right direction as far as how to bring play back into the workplace, um, or dorm dorm area, or or home if it's children or grandchildren. Sure, I I again think about this as reentry. So how do we re reenter into this space of play? And I think it's important to say a little bit more about what play is. And um, in the early childhood world, there's there's no um, defined, there there just isn't one way to answer that question, but there are key elements. So it's child initiated. So this isn't the parent setting up the fort and telling the child to go play with it. It's the child saying, hey, can we make a fort? And sometimes they might invite the adult in to play, and oftentimes they do not. It is their time to be alone. The other thing that I think is super important about play is the fact that joy is the result. So what might be play for someone else, like someone who loves to hike mountains, would not be play for me. I will happily meet them at the end of the day (laughs) to hear about that experience, right? So play isn't the same for each of us. So I think my challenge is um, think about time. And I know that's kind of a weird concept for us all right now too. But this week, can you make sure that there's opportunity for play with the people that you engage with? So whether that's with your grandchildren or whether that's with your employees or whether that's with students that you work with. And again, it's got to be a welcoming experience. You can't make them play. You can set up the opportunity for play. And then my other challenge to us all is once a month in the next year, think about and plan for play for yourself. So is that 
going away somewhere. Is that reading a book on Saturday all by yourself because that is your play? Is that gardening? Is that motorcycling? Figure out what it is and make sure there's something on your calendar once a month because we all have to intentionally plan for play. Oh, I, I love that, Laura. And we're, we are on the same page because to me, well-being is really all about two things, attention and intention, right? And I like very much how you said the intention because it's so easy for our life minutes to circle the rabbit hole if we don't actually prioritize our well-being and model that for our college students and um, and children and teenagers and everything else. So I like how you said we have to, we have to actually, in order for flow to happen, we have to set the stage for it. If we don't have time, there's no flow, right? And so we have to create the time and we have to open the door or it isn't going to happen. And that was really clearly put because I think many of us are on, when we're on autopilot, we just day after day rolls into the next day and there's no play, right? And how we have to kind of make the intention to have it. And then I like how you use the word welcoming because it's also a nice word. It's like bring it on kind of thing. And it's happy faces and Laura and I are both smiling big right now, like <laughs> Cheshire cats. And then the lastly, I like what you said about use the, uh, the words, something to look forward to, because that's a huge Marty Seligman positive psychology thing is that we all need something to look forward to. Even if it's lunch with a friend, it doesn't have to be the Bahamas, right? And it could be the Bahamas, but it can be something small. So you just nailed some really good points for us to, um, you know, listen to and embrace. And so that we can, you know, successfully bring play back into our lives and also model that for our uh, employees and college students, teenagers, children, and little children. Okay, wow, what a fantastic discussion on, on play, Laura. I'll tell you, I definitely learned a lot. And we tend to think that it, think of play as a, as a kid's word, really, and we forget as grown-ups how important it is to have fun. You know, as far as we know, this isn't a dress rehearsal, right? We should be enjoying what we're doing. So um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be here with us. And here's at Champlain College in the beautiful Burlington, Vermont, so thank you again, Laurel. Thanks for having me, Kim. This has been a good conversation. And to the listeners, I want to say make time to play and be well. <laughs>